You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. It's time to take command with former NFL tight end Logan Paulson and former Commander's Beat reporter Craig Hoffman. Take Command podcast from Odyssey Sports. What's up? What's happening? Craig Hoffman, Logan Paulson with you. He played 10 years in the NFL, six in D.C. I covered the Commanders for five years on the beat. And, of course, you can catch me each and every weekday afternoon now on the Team 980. And where, Logan? Always live on the free <laughs> Odyssey app, uh, three to six each and every day. Uh, so I, I want to obviously spend the show, uh, as do you, talking about Eric Piennemi. Uh, hired as the offensive coordinator and assistant head coach officially on Saturday. Deal was basically done on Friday. Uh, just for timestamps, we're recording this at 9.42 a.m. as we uh, speak right now on Tuesday. And the reason I mention that is because there might be some staffing news and things that mm-hmm. come out over the course of the next 24 hours, 36 hours as folks listen to this episode. So with that, uh, if that stuff happens, whether it's coaches are kept or coaches are, are moved on from, uh, that is where we stand right now. There's been no staffing news outside of the getting this job. But Logan, let's dive right in. High level thoughts it actually happened. I mean, I, I remember we were talking like in January. It's like, oh, do you think they could get Bienemy? I was like, no, there's yeah. no way. So how did we wind up where Eric Bienemy is the offensive coordinator and assistant head coach of the Washington Commanders? And what do you make of the fit from the Washington side of things? Well, I mean, I think Washington should be really excited. I know there's like a lot of kind of like, well, why did he take this job? What's going on? And like, I kn- I knew him briefly in 2000. Five, you know, he was he recruited me to UCLA. He was a running back coach while I was there. And then I've had interactions with him over the course of, you know, my career when he was in Kansas City and I was in Houston. And then obviously, like, I've talked with like one of his best friends, John Embry, periodically about both of their careers just kind of casually. And one of the things that was a pretty consistent theme for him is that he really wants to be a head coach. And for whatever reason, um, like him being kind of this assistant offensive coordinator in, Kansas City has not lent itself to that opportunity. And I think he probably looks at this and says, you know what, if I want to be a head coach, I, I, I can't be in Kansas City. And so this was kind of, I don't want to say like his only opportunity because I don't know that, but it was an opportunity that afforded him play calling responsibility, an opportunity to get out of the, the shadow of Andy Reid and to show that he is a fantastic coach. Because I, I don't really, you know, like you hear stories about him and how he communicates with players. I got to experience that firsthand when I was at UCLA. But one thing about him that I have a ton of respect for is he is hyper detailed and he's a very good football mind. So just by that criteria alone, I think he's going to make this offense better. How much better with a second year quarterback with an offensive line that's kind of in the midst of a rebuild with some staffing questions. It's a tough situation. It's a tough job. It's things we talked about before, but I, I think as a person who is passionate about football, who's a smart guy, this is a good fit. I'm happy he's here. I think he's going to make this group better. I think he's going to elevate this offense. I think that 
bodes well for Washington. Yeah. I mean, this is a coup. The fact that they, they get yeah. a guy. Like, if we were to just put all the offensive coordinator candidates out there, right, and you can pick any, you can make a legitimate argument that the is the first pick. Are there some of these other young guys that get some of these other jobs that uh, were considered better candidates or highly touted? Sure, but why? Like, they don't have the experience necessarily that he has. There are a couple that have maybe, like a, a Greg Roman, who's got immense success and immense play calling experience, uh, would seem to be pretty high on the list. And he's going to get left out this cycle because everyone's always looking for the next hot young guy. Well, Bianami's only 53. Um, he's got almost 30 years of NFL experience at this point, um, between nine as a player and almost 20 as a coach. Like, he's he he's incredible at, at what he does. Now, can he command an entire offense and, and all these things that we just don't know because he hasn't done them? I guess we'll find out. But the odd thing about this is the uncertainty and the challenges that present themselves in Washington are exactly why this job is appealing to him. But to me, if I'm him, I want two criteria. One, I want all the prerequisite challenges so that I can crush them and people will stop saying all the things that they're saying and, and I, there, it just becomes so undeniable that I should be a head coach that I get the job. That's that's one thing. And that wasn't going to happen in Kansas City, not just because of Reed, but because of Mahomes. And obviously, like there's a race conversation that is floating over all of this. And if you can't see that, I don't know what to tell you. But the other big like football thing, that's the difference between Nagy and Peterson versus Bienemy and their times as OC and then getting that boost to a head coaching job is those two dudes didn't coach Patrick Mahomes. And so when those two other coaches were successful under Reed, it was like, oh, wow, look, they're great. They're designing great offense. Andy's helping them, sure. But wow, look at what they're doing with Alex Smith, let's say. And they go get the head coaching job. With Mahomes, he's so magical that he just, it's like, well, yeah, anybody could do that, even if Bienemy is getting the absolute best out of Mahomes. And so I think that that is, one, completely unfair, but two, the fact that the challenges here present themselves in the way that they do are actually opportunities for Bienemy. But the other thing that I'd be looking for, so that's part one, do they have the prerequisite challenges? Is the job hard enough, quote unquote, that people will actually respect me if I succeed? Two, do I actually have the pieces I need to succeed? Because when you look at this receiving core and you look at the skill positions here, I think if you're a good OC, you come in and you're like, yeah, I can do work with that. We can do damage with that. And by the way, the bar's pretty low here. Like they've, they've been 28th in offense over some absurdly long stretch of time. Kime had the tweets yesterday. It was like tw over the last like 20 years, they've been 28th in offense. And so they've never, even with Gruden here, who's one of the better offensive minds in the league and like McVay and O'Connell and all these guys, the Shanahan's like, They've been so bad between those guys. And even in some of those seasons where they've just had, you know, Jay had 78 quarterbacks play, it felt like, over a two-year stretch uh, post-Kirk and, and obviously with the Alex injury. Like, they just have been so bad that if he can get them to middle of the pack, top 12, God forbid, top 10 offensively, it will be seen as a wild success. And I think that that is very appealing to a guy who has these higher aspirations and... That is why, ultimately, even though he's leaving Patrick Mahomes, leaving Biennemi, for positionally what is a lateral move, OC to OC, and we can talk about the assistant head coaching job and the play calling and all that kind of stuff, that is why it makes sense for Biennemi. 
And it Washington just benefits from the fact that he is existing in this very bizarre ecosystem, that that actually is something that's desirable to him versus winning more Super Bowls uh, or, you know, having the head of coaching opportunities it seems like he deserves. Yeah, I think the thing, um, I totally agree. I mean, I think the thing that sticks out to me about him, though, is like that there wasn't more opportunities. Like nobody was like waiting for him and waiting for his decision. And, you know, again, I don't know if this was the only opportunity, but I would... If I was hit in his shoes, and I've said this on the show before, and I, I would have probably gone a different direction just because of the time parameter we've talked about. It's not that the the position isn't good. It's not that you know the the the, the elevated titles aren't good. All that stuff's fantastic. The opportunity is fantastic. Um, like you mentioned, the the players are fantastic. But it's like it's you're kind of got this albatross around your neck of saying it's a year. It's a year prospect technically, right? If things don't go well. And I think that's something I, I think we need to talk about is that as as much as I respect him as an offensive play caller, he still has some restrictions here that are going to be pretty hard to overcome, right? It's the Sam Howell thing. Like you're going into a season with a guy who's thrown 19 passes in the NFL, who was a fifth round draft pick. Now, was that low? Possibly, but a lot of teams overlooked him because they didn't think he was ready to play, right? And so that's a big thing. We've talked about the offensive line and the rebuild associated with that. Because, again, when you watch Kansas City, one thing that sticks out definitively is how good that offensive line is, right? And it, how it allows them to let Patrick, Holm, Patrick Mahomes express himself, how it allows um, them to get the football down the field in this really dynamic way, which is, again, something Scott wanted to do here but was kind of unable, unable to do. So, And, again, there's play calling things that can insulate that and, and handle that, which I think the enemy is well aware of. But there are some big obstacles here that are really outside of his control. And I think that that's important for fans to understand. Like, do I expect there to be an improvement? Absolutely. But I don't think – I think when you say top 10, there's a lot of fans that say that's what it's going to be. And I, I just want to temper expectations a little bit, right? Because this is not a perfect situation. Even, and we've talked about it before. Even if they go out and they draft a whole bunch of old linemen, they bring in a bunch of free agents – Sometimes those don't transfer very well and they don't do very well. Like Caleb McGarry is a very interesting example. He's probably the number two tackle prospect coming out in this year's uh, free agent market. And he's in a run heavy scheme. Now, if they ask him to drop back pass protect a whole bunch like they did in Kansas City, he's not going to be the same guy. You know what I'm saying? So understanding right. the market, understanding the dynamic elements of it, I think is really, really important. Ultimately, like I, you said this, I said this, I'm excited. I'm excited that we are kind of the beneficiary of kind of a messed up system here that has not afforded him a better opportunity, um, which is kind of messed up in its own right. But I do think that there are significant limitations to this roster that need to be acknowledged for when he comes into this job. And people need to understand that it's not going to be, you know, it, it might not be fireworks from day one because it's hard. I think that's another thing we need to talk about. It's really, really hard to install an offense and get it to where you want it to be in a year. Cause we were talking about this off air one of the things that sticks out about Kansas City when you watch them is just how <clears throat> sharp and detailed everybody is. And that takes some time to get there. And can they do that with the new offseason schedules and things like that? I don't know. But again, though, those are some things that I think need to be acknowledged in this. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. Totally. So 
you're 100% correct. Um, this is a, a team that is really strong in the places that it's strong. Right. And like offensive line, I don't even know whether to call it weak or, or anything right now because it's non-existent. Like it's, it's uh, you know, incomplete is the grade on the offensive line right now. We don't know what it's going to look like. Uh, it, it, even on paper, nevertheless, what we think it can look like when it actually gets out in training camp, preseason, and ultimately into the regular season. We do not know who the players are going to be. Um, and, and that's obviously a pretty uh, important step in all of this. Um, with that said, I do think that there is some stuff that I feel really good about immediately with him. And it goes to that, that detail-oriented approach. And I think also some of the skill sets that he has to play with that he's had in the past um, in Kansas City that will make the quarterback's job easier. And that is Curtis Samuel being the chief amongst them. Like he gets to bring back some of the Tyreek Hill stuff, which he he obviously continued to use when they got Kadarius Toney in Kansas City this year. But the Jarek McKinnon, Kadarius Toney, Tyreek Hill, that like gadget player has always been a huge part of what they do. And he can make the offense a lot easier. Um, That said... There's no there's no Travis Kelsey here. And so the the kind of safety blanket over the entire offense that exists in Kansas City is not here. And we can get into some of the X's and O's and the pieces that you think are going to be really important, what translates, what doesn't. But I think even taking a step back further than that, the biggest thing that will determine Biennemi's success this year is going to be his ability to adjust calling plays for Patrick Mahomes one of the smartest quarterbacks in the NFL with five years of experience in the same system to Sam Howell, who's thrown 19 NFL passes. And Sam is a smart kid. Um, they're very part of the reason they were okay going with a guy like Bienemy, who's not going to run the same system that Turner is, is because Ron Rivera said that he's very confident in Sam's ability to pick things up quickly. Mm. So Sam is very smart. But I don't know that he's go to the in year two like right now not that he can't become this and maybe even become it quickly but i don't know that he is give you three plays at the line of scrimmage with a bunch of checks and like stuff that you just have to know in your head go to the line of scrimmage identify the coverage identify the front pick your play get everybody organized might not even go perfectly there's a play in this one of the, the touchdowns in the super bowl they're in the wrong formation mahomes makes it work like it is is how at that level yet, no way. Because you just can't be. Again, it's not a knock on Sam. It's a reality that he is not Patrick Mahomes and nobody else is Patrick Mahomes. But even from a mental standpoint, there aren't a lot of guys. Like it's Burrow. It was a guy like Brady. It's Rodgers. Like Mahomes is way up here intellectually and from a capacity standpoint. And in his second year, can the enemy kind of revert to what it was like co- coaching Mahomes the first year that they had him as the starter? when he was had played one game the previous year and was a second-year starter, and figure out how to maximize the offense while still insulating a guy who is learning and coming along, and then obviously expand his plate as the year goes and they, they learn each other better. And Sam's you know ability to identify and recall things becomes better as he sees more things on an NFL field. Yeah, I mean, I definitely think that's kind of the story of this acquisition is like, you know, just how he treats Sam Howell and what this offense looks like. Because I do think like, you know, we're not dumb. Like he's not dumb. He knows it needs to be different. He can't execute the same offense. Like when I, I did a little bit of film evaluation for the TV show, and one of the things that came out is like Patrick Mahomes is like 
very, very special. Like there's concepts like they a lot of the concepts that they ran in Kansas City are similar to the concepts that they ran here. But Patrick Mahomes is able to elevate those concepts, like kind of buy a little bit of time, fit this ball into a tight window, just kind of deal in a way that is very unique to him. So, um, you know, in, in the game that I'm talking about, it was the 49ers game. You know, he's able to kind of cultivate three, four, five, six, seven first downs on his own which you lose in an offense like this, right? With, with Sam Howell, like, and it becomes all schematic and then playmakers executing. So you said a couple of things there. So that, that's kind of the first thing. The other thing you mentioned about Kelsey, I think it's important to not see Kelsey as a tight end, but as like their ex receiver, their number mm-hmm. one weapon. And I think that bodes well for a guy like Terry, a guy like Jahan, because it shows you how he can kind of maneuver that chess piece around the formation to best exploit matchups. Now, having a slot receiver or Travis Kelsey or that type of athlete do it is a little bit easier because they do, you know, you can line up a tight end, you can line up in the slot, you can kind of out wide. You are limited slightly by having it be your ex receiver as the guy, but he, he has shown a proclivity to kind of understand formation, understand motions, understand how to get guys in good matchups and put them in good spots. So I do think that that don't it's Travis Kelsey in that offense will be Terry McLaurin, Jahan Dotson. And I do think people forget about Armani Rogers and Cole Turner. Like those guys are very, very talented guys and under the right tutelage of a guy who's seen what it means to be one of the best tight ends in the NFL can probably do a little bit of growing. And I think that's important for people to acknowledge. And I look at the opportunities that those guys had last year, and there were so few in the terms of the passing game, they were going to be more productive in this offense just because they're going to get more opportunities. So I think there's a lot of things here, but I think the most important piece is what this offense actually looks like with Sam Howell are they kind of a run first team you know like under Andy Reid with Alex Smith that offense was 12 13 22 personnel groupings and they were able to kind of insulate Alex and find their shot plays to Tyreek Hill in a very unique way is that what this offense looks like or is it this kind of high-flying passing offense um, that doesn't get enough credit for how they run the football so Lots of things that still need to be answered. We're still really early in the process, but um, there are some pieces here that get you excited, like you mentioned. To me, it's just more of a there. The limit. It's important to acknowledge the rate limiters, right? It's important to acknowledge the things that are going to make it challenging for this team to kind of be like a top ten offense right now. And there, it, there's a whole off season. There's a lot of corrections that can be made, but those are important to acknowledge today. I think. Let me just, let's close the loop on the Kelsey piece of this real quick. Um, how much does it change? Because you mentioned like skill set wise and like obviously there's more places Travis Kelsey can line up because he can line up in line. Mm-hmm. But also if like Terry is the move piece and, and kind of the piece that we're, we're trying to figure out how to get the best out of, he's always going to have a corner on him. Versus, not necessarily, not necessarily. Well, like, how, like, like, let's, let's say, let's take Tyree kill. For example, like okay. one of the things that they did that was super innovative and then green Bay kind of copied that this year with Christian Watson is they get in these three by one formation. So three receivers to the right. So, you know, it's Tyree, it's Tyree kill, Christian Watson, Terry McLaurin in the slot and the kind of closest to the quarterback. And mm-hmm. um, then it's whoever the other two guys are. And then the tight ends off to the left by himself. You, you don't have enough <clears throat> DBs to match that with a starting corner all the time necessarily, especially if you're playing zone. So they get Tyree kill oftentimes matched up on a safety matched up on a nickel Mm -hmm. matched up on a linebacker just based on formation. And then you say, Oh, well, we're going to adjust that. And that's where they motion, they shift, they do some different stuff. That's what, again, one of the things that Kyle did that was so nice and what Andy does that's so nice and what hopefully the enemy will do 
is understanding formations and how the defense responds to certain formations and how you can put them in a bind based on rules. And when you watch Kansas City, they seem to have a very high understanding of how to do that. So um, I, I think, I think yes, like who, like for example, when Kyle was in Atlanta, Julio, they moved all over the place. It doesn't look like he's moving because he's playing outside. But let's say on this play, he's lined up to the side of the tight end. Technically, he's the Z receiver there. You're going to see different coverage profiles to the Z receiver because you're more likely to run the football to the tight end. That safety is going to be down in the box a little bit more. They're not going to have as much over-the-top help. And that's moving a piece around the formation as opposed to saying, Julio, play X, win versus X stuff. That's even a subtle thing, but I do think that that's important to acknowledge. And so it's not always going to be a corner. And again, it will be a corner more often than not, but there are ways you can formation it to put that guy in a good position to be successful. And Scott did some of that in this offense. So I think back to two years against Carolina, he's running an in-breaking seam on a safety. That's a matchup Terry's going to win every time for a touchdown versus Carolina. So <clears throat> there's elements that they can kind of exploit to maximize that group maximize those move pieces. And I want to, I think it's important to acknowledge, you already pointed this out, is they have a whole bunch of guys who can move around a formation. Even Armani, right, because of his speed, can kind of play X, right. play, you know what I mean? And so it, it's a very diverse skill set. It's about the enemy identifying that skill set and then saying, how do I best, through my football brain, maximize what we've got going on here? Good luck getting that on the other podcast. Good, good luck with that.